Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jason Knight, and on each episode of this podcast, I'll be having inspiring conversations with passionate product people. If you're passionate about product, a product person, or some other combination of the above, why not come and check out the website, onenightinproduct.com, check out some of my other episodes with thought leaders and practitioners, sign up to the mailing list or subscribe on your podcast app, and make sure you and your friends never miss another episode again. On tonight's episode, we speak about the state of product management in Africa and the groundbreaking report of the same name. We cover some of the ways my guest is trying to support the product management community and also importantly women in product on the continent. We go through her motivations for creating her report, some of the findings and surprises inside and some of her hopes for the future. We also dream of a future Silicon Valley in Africa and have a think about which valley and which country it'll be in. For all this and much more, please join us on One Night in Product. So, my guest tonight is Lyo Agumbanwo. Lyo is a product leader who boldly claims to occupy the intersection of product management, marketing, and growth, and is passionate about using technology to solve real problems. Lyo started out wanting to be a doctor, but turned instead to health tech in the US before heading back to Nigeria to revolutionize financial services for Africans. Lyo recently worked with Practical Product to release a groundbreaking report on the state of product management in Africa, giving a view on how far product management has come on the continent, what's going well, and what's still left to do. Hi, Lyo. How are you tonight? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? I am good. Thank you very much for asking. So first things first, you're VP of Product Strategy at PiggyVest. Mm -hmm. So for the record, who are PiggyVest and what problem do they solve? Awesome. Yeah, so PiggyVest is a B2C fintech platform in Nigeria. Essentially, we do digital savings and investments. The company was founded in 2016. I joined the company in 2018, and we are West Africa's largest digital savings and investment product with over 2.6 million users. So what we found is that younger people are exempt or basically left out of financial services. What we aim to do is to bring um, millennials and Gen Zs into that and also give them the ability and the tools to better manage their finances. And that, obviously, as you say, is based in Nigeria, but is that something that has either already or ambitions to be more pan-African or pan-West African or anything like that? Like, how's the national footprint there? Yeah, so definitely, we are constantly having conversations about you know, expanding to you know, Ghana, Kenya. There's been talks about South Africa as well, too. Um, most of it is just trying to understand the regulatory landscape as well as, you know, making sure that our payment processes are also, you know, in those different markets as well. But definitely, you know, we have dreams of being a Pan-African platform. Yeah, that's interesting about the regulatory stuff. With regards to African regulatory processes, I mean, is there kind of a standard across Africa, as in like some kind of cooperative thing, or are they all completely different and you have to take them one at a time? Yeah, they're all completely different. You have to take it one at a time. What works in Nigeria may not work in Ghana or in Namibia. And then what you find is that with, well, I guess with fintech or financial services in general, we are still building the infrastructure, right? So it's kind of hard to say, oh, I want to expand to Ghana, but then they still are laying the groundwork there. So that's why we always say, you know, 
wherever our payment processes go, we'll follow because then they've, you know, kind of laid the groundwork and it's easier for us to build on their stack. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But you're the VP of product strategy there. So how does that interface with the rest of the product team? Because, you know, in theory, all product people should be somewhat strategic, right? So do you as a company separate out kind of long-term strategy and delivery or is there some other kind of breakup of responsibilities you have there? Honestly, the title is just fancy for like, I'm still <laughs> I'm still a product manager, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fancy for product management, to be honest. And the great thing about Pigivest is that everybody is a product person in some capacity. So it makes my work easier and more and more enjoyable, to be honest. So, you know, I'm talking to my CEO or talking to, you know, customer success rep and what we're all thinking about is, okay, how can we build this better for our users? How can our users get value from this faster? How can we make sure that there is no friction with you know, using the app? At the end of the day, with our products, the three main things really um, that users are concerned about is depositing money, withdrawing money, and also earning their interest. So really, my job really is just making sure that those three functions are... I guess, very, very smooth. And we're able to build on them to make sure that our users are happy all the time. So yeah, that's it in summary. It's just the VP of product strategy is just fancy. <laughs> <laughs> Good for the CV, huh? Yes. <laughs> but if we go back a bit further in time, you actually got your start in product when you were living in the US in Texas. And you helped, I believe helped, or you were certainly very early in a health tech startup over there. And you actually had a variety of roles in that company around sales and marketing before you settled on product. So I guess it's an interesting question for me is like, why do you think you ended up in product? Was that the natural place for you and your skills and your interests? Or was it something that kind of you fell into and got good at? Because it's quite a wide ranging set of roles you had. And it's just an interesting path. Hmm, great question. So you know, with joining uh, my my previous company, Access Super Early, you know, I was in plan number seven. What that meant was just get your hands dirty, just get the work done. It wasn't about titles or departments. It was just, okay, we need to get the product into the arms of nurses who were, you know, nurses were our target audience and, and home healthcare agencies as well, too. And yeah, I think as... As the company grew larger, yeah, I was definitely more at the marketing growth sales intersection. But then what that meant was that because I was doing a lot of marketing and growth stuff, I was also responsible for the company's Marketo and Salesforce softwares or like platforms. And I guess I can't... not Well, not I guess. I definitely had to build a lot of different, I guess... Hook. So one of them being, this was a while back. I wanted to be sure that we were tracking ROI in the company. So yes, it's great to go for events and you know garner like a lot of leads. It's great to send out emails and do campaigns, all that jazz. But then how are we sure that okay, Jason got into the funnel at this date? He went through all of these campaigns, and then at the end of this date, he then became a paying subscriber with this package. So I had to figure that out. And then I, I worked with an engineer to build some sort of API with that from our from our from the company's back end, linking it to Marketo. So 
Um, I mean, it was a one directional thing. So just feeding information from our Marketo instance into our backend database. That was actually my first, uh, I guess, foray into products and I liked it. And I guess I, it just became a natural segue. I guess fun fact is the project that I worked on or the product that I first, like, um, that I built proper. I actually had the idea for it like two years prior to us actually doing it, but my CEO then just wasn't like, he didn't think it was a good, um, what did he say to me? He said he didn't think it was a good use of our resources. I said, okay. But then two years after he was, he was ready. So then I Mm -hmm. did it. Yeah. You were ahead of your time. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, that's how I kind of got started in product. Do you feel that working in those different roles has really helped round out your skill set? I mean, you obviously touched on it a bit around some of the acquisition metrics and stuff like that. So giving you the view of that, but do you feel that it was really important to you being a successful product manager to have worked in these different areas? I agree. You know, one, being a product manager, yes, you build products, yay. But I think (laughs) bigger than that is you're having to work cross-functionally, right? And because I've sat or I've been in the shoes of a marketing person, I've worked very closely with salespeople and business development. I know what that process is like. I'm able to work with them better as a product manager. And then, you know, just from a user perspective as well, you can build a great product, but if you don't know how to position it, if you don't know how to sell it, if you don't know exactly the things to say to get your target audience hooked, yeah it just wouldn't like catch on the way it should catch on. So I'm able to leverage on all of those experiences that I've had and then bringing them into being a PM. So even when I'm brainstorming with my team, I always find myself saying, okay, pause guys, take a step back. Imagine you're a user. What do you, what do you really care about? What you care about is I want to be able to do this. They, They don't care about all the fancy features. They just, they're trying to get, they're trying to accomplish something. Yeah, so definitely, I, I definitely think my the different experiences that I've had have made me better, more intuitive, and just, yeah, a better PM. And I'm able to work better with different departments, different teams. Yeah. No, that sounds really good. And I think, I mean, there's always this cliche about PMs being kind of all-rounders and being somewhere in the middle of everything. And I think that yeah, having those diverse experiences in all senses is is obviously really important. So it sounds like that's really helped you. Mm-hmm. But then you came back to Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So I guess you got bored of all the Tex-Mex or whatever it was you were eating over there. <laughs> I love Tex-Mex. I love tacos. <laughs> <laughs> but then you started, obviously, at your current place, but you also started Practical Product, mm-hmm. with whom you produced the report that we mentioned earlier and that we'll talk about in a bit. So. What is practical product specifically? I mean, I can imagine what it might be, but specifically, what what is practical product and what initiatives does that sponsor in Nigeria? Yeah. So, well, before I answer that, I just want to say this like really, well, I guess it's a cool story. So, (laughs) that's what I like. (laughs) So, yes, I moved back to Lagos after being, you know, after leaving and uh, working in America for. Over a decade, really. Yeah, over a decade. But the thing is, I moved back to Lagos or like to Nigeria without a plan. I just moved back. Everyone thought I was crazy. I probably was a little crazy. <laughs> I had my family, like my parents and there. So that was a good, you know, at least I didn't have to 
stressed so much about accommodation or any of those things, but I didn't have a plan about work or whatever. I just wanted to, you know, go back home. Part of the reason that I moved back home was also just because I was telling my former boss that I've been at the company for over six years and obviously it was great most times. <laughs> and I didn't want to wake up at 35 and think, oh crap, I should have gone back home. Or damn it, you know, I should have tried this thing then. And then he then said to me that, oh, that, but would you regret? not staying. I said, no, I actually would regret not going, that I'm willing to risk it. And I'm still young. And if it's a, if it's a bad mistake, I can course correct quick. So then I was super convicted that, yeah, it's time. So then, you know, I moved back, no plan. And then after successfully stalking a couple of people on on LinkedIn, (laughs) I remember, (laughs) I remember sending an email to the head of Google for startups accelerator program. They were just about to start the very first program, right? And I'm like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm new to town. I'd like to just learn about what you guys do, ETC. And then he's like, oh, yeah, sure. So you know, I, I met with him, we talked, and then he invited me to be a mentor in the program. And then during the program, I met the founders of the current company that I work for. So I mentored them during the, during the program. I liked them. I love the product. And I was like, yeah, I think I want to join this team. But they actually weren't hiring. So together, we created a, like this role <laughs> for me in the company. Yeah. So LinkedIn is great. Shout out to LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so back to answering your question about practical product. So I started practical product this year. I have been thinking about it all of last year, you know, during COVID and having more time to myself. And the short answer of what practical product is, you know, it's just a community of product leaders and enthusiasts across Africa who aim to demystify product management principles and adapt them to Africa's unique environment. The long answer is what I realized was that with Nigeria, with Africa, really like with more tech companies springing up, right, there's been a lot of interest in product management. Every other day, someone's asking me, oh, hey, how can I break into product? There's a lot of product communities springing up, a a lot of product courses, ETC. But then I realized that we have more junior PMs or entry-level PMs than senior product leaders. And then also a lot of things that people are consuming is coming from the US, the UK. And while that's great, I think that how product management is actually practiced on the continent is different, again, because of environments, the regulatory landscape. So yes, you may learn how to roadmap, you may learn how to prioritize, but then if you wake up the next day and some regulatory body has effectively shut down your business, what do you do then, right? Um, and, And those are things that happen very frequently on the continent. And then I just wanted to also fill that void because there's a lot of information and content on how to get into products. That's great. Okay. So, but then how do people then scale up their careers? How, you know, how do they become, you know, go from being junior PMs to senior PMs to VPs of products and... Or VPs of product strategy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. 
So, and then also, there are a lot of different people on the continent that have built great products. They don't call themselves product managers, right? But they've actually built great products or they've been involved in the building of such products. I want to tap into their knowledge because they know a lot of stuff that other people can learn from. So yeah, that's that's who we are. That's why we started this. So why I decided to do the State of Product Management in Africa report, one, there isn't anything like that in like on the continent really. There's not there's no report or document that kind of benchmarks where PMs are, what they do, just delving into their, I guess, work life. And I thought it's very, very important that we start to do that again because new tech companies springing up all the time, people trying to get into products. It's just great for both PMs and operators to understand and know, okay, here's kind of like an average of what PMs like to do or how they think, etc. And then just for full transparency, I just also felt that it would be a great way to launch practical products. Yeah. It's like, how am I going to launch this thing and not be like every other product community? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm being super honest. Like, okay, how can I launch this thing? And I'm not just like another product community. It's like, okay, well, I can do this because I always read the different reports that come out from, I think there's product plan, there's product school, and then some other big product community abroad always does theirs. And I look at them like, okay, well, there's no reason why we can't have this here. Long, 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 long term, I would like to do our own version of product con on the continent. So we can go to Lagos or Joburg or Cape Town or Nairobi somewhere and just have different African PMs just learning from each other and just growing the growing our field together. That was a long answer. <laughs> That's a good answer and obviously a really good aim as well. But I was curious because, sadly, I've not made it to Africa yet. I keep meaning to try to get there, but I've never quite done it so far. But I was curious as to, for example, my closest example of like a a pan-national organization would be like the, the EU or something like that. So like a continent that has lots of countries that in the EU at least have kind of a, a basically similar direction. But I'm not sure that it's 100% like that across all of Africa. But you're talking a lot about pan-African product communities and pan-African cooperation. Is there that strong bond between all of these different African countries that are coming up together? Or are you kind of competing against each other a little bit? Hmm, we're competing. I don't, <laughs> I don't think we're competing. I think... Actually, you know, I, I don't think we are. I think. Because every country on the continent is different. So even if you have an idea to start up some company in your country, because that's your home turf, you start there. And then as you start to grow, you might start to look at other neighboring countries to then expand to. I think a lot of times people actually forget that Africa is a continent. It's not, it's, it's not a country. So yeah. It's like how things are done in Nigeria is very different from how things are done in like Kenya. There might be some similarities for sure, yeah. but there are differences as well too. So I don't think we're competing. I definitely think that there's a lot more sentiment towards a pan-African tech ecosystem. I think we all realize that we're stronger together anyway. Yeah. So yeah, but I mean, and I could be wrong, but I don't think that, I don't think 
I mean, apart from like just like regular like Twitter banter, you know, when you like <laughs> Nigerian, Ghana, or whatever. But I don't think any. Yeah, I don't think so. No, I was just curious, obviously, just to, to see like whether, like you say, Varman's kind of trying to come up together, which seems to be the case, which is good. I think it, it probably opens a lot more opportunities than you would have on your own, right? Yeah, exactly. But how's the report gone down so far? Like, have you had lots of positive feedback from some of the African countries that are featured within it? To be honest, I was kind of nervous the day I was releasing. I was like, oh my God, what if nobody likes this thing? You know, <laughs> what if I made an error? But the response has been overwhelmingly positive. Something that definitely, that while doing the reports, that struck me was obviously like, I got more responses from Nigeria, but I think that's also just because like, my network is more Nigerian. So one of the goals that I'm shooting for for the ne- for next year's report is to get more representation across other African countries. So I've had like a few people like in Kenya and South Africa, which has me say, hey, you know, for the next one, I definitely want to help you get more PMs. I'm like, that's amazing. People seem to respond to the information really well. Obviously, I've gotten some people say, oh, you know, I would like to see more of a deep dive into some of the sections. I definitely have that in mind. So, for example, I would like to dive deeper into conversation. But I also, you kind of have to also be, what's it called now? You you have to be very, at least for me, I have to be very aware of the audience that was going to be taking the survey. So, in general, like, we don't really talk about our conversation, right? So I had to keep that in mind. Like, no one's going to tell me, oh, yeah, I earn $100,000 a year. No one's going to tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm hoping now that, that the report has gone out, it probably gained some trust that people will be more willing to share more information in the next report and then the next one and then, and then the next one. That's fair enough. And you get to see trends then as well, which is obviously really exciting as well. Exactly. Exactly. So it'll be very interesting to see in five years, do we have more female PMs now? Or do we have more senior PMs? Or is it now more product-led than sales-led? So then we can see, okay, this um, report went out in 2021, but in 2026, we're seeing this trend starting to emerge. So what was the most surprising thing that came out of the report? The thing that surprised you the most? Hmm. All surprising to me. That's a great question. I know I saw this report every day for like <laughs> for like for like a month. <laughs> yeah, no surprises at the end, but first time you saw it. First time I saw it. Hmm. Yeah, I saw I was surprised that a lot or most of the PMs had engineering backgrounds. That surprised me. Did that surprise you just because you didn't think that was common in the countries that you surveyed? Or did you think that that was not the common, like, you know, because it's obviously pretty common, Mm. say, for example, in Silicon Valley, for their engineers to go into product and in some of the other sort of big tech cities. Is that not a pattern you usually see, say, for example, in Nigeria? No, I don't usually see engineers become PMs. And then I don't usually see people who actually study like engineering in like university or college then become PMs. Obviously, like in, like you said, in Silicon Valley, yes, that's the norm. But personally, I don't know or I did not know of very like many PMs who had engineering backgrounds. So yeah, that surprised me. 
So where would you normally expect them to come from again if you if we just focus on Nigeria where you've got the most experience like is that, are they normally coming like you did from more of a sales and marketing background or are they maybe coming from more of a project management background or or elsewhere? Yeah, so even sales and marketing is not really common. I would typically expect PMs to come at least in Nigeria to come from project management backgrounds or consulting backgrounds either of those two. But that obviously then has a knock-on effect to some of the potential for them to be more strategically minded right now. I'm not saying that all project and consultants aren't strategically minded at all, but certainly for project managers, that's not necessarily the focus. Exactly. So do you feel that that was represented in the report that people maybe were thinking that they were far more focusing on delivery versus defining and crafting and executing a strategy? It depends. Because, again, and I hate to give the regulatory landscape a bad rap, but in Nigeria, yes, you can be strategic. You can have your fantastic roadmap, yada, yada, yada. But then at the end of the day, you're just trying to get that product out. Yeah. So, and then there's, I guess, cultural nuances as well, too, where I think PMs, this definitely showed in the report where PMs felt like they didn't have like a lot of autonomy, yeah. where it was just more, okay, this is what we're going to do. Go do it. Don't ask any questions. And obviously, like, that's not how you can't, you can't build your product career by just only executing. If, if you can't take a step back to plan, yeah. to be strategic, like you said. But I also feel like sometimes you don't have the bandwidth or the environment <laughs> to be strategic yeah. and to plan. And you know, so these are some of the things that I would like to delve deeper in. So how have big companies like InterSwitch, right? How have they been able to manage being strategic, but also still having to release quickly just because of the type of environment that in the countries where they operate? But also only 42% of respondents said they were happy with their role. Mm-hmm. Did you do any deep diving on that? Are there any common themes or is that something that you have to follow up in the next report? It's something that I'm that I'm going to follow up in the next report because I didn't ask any, I guess, further questions about their unhappiness. But I suspect that just like looking at the data and then just deducing, I suspect that autonomy is a big part of why they're not happy. Pay is that is big as well too. I think actually there's two things because it's, it's easy to love your job when you feel like you are actually adding value and like you are taking ownership and you're doing things and then you're also being compensated fairly. Yeah. But I definitely will delve deeper into that in the next report. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting actually to try and find the equivalent percentage for product managers around the world as well because I'm assuming that there's a bunch of them that are all equally unhappy in other countries too and other continents. Yeah. But- yeah, no, it'd definitely be interesting to to dig into that and see what we can do to help them. Yeah. <laughs> and the gender balance is obviously off as well. I think it's like 40% female, 60% male across all of the countries in the report. I know you're a founding member of Feminist Coalition, yeah. which aims to champion equality for women in Nigerian society. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously something that you're really passionate mm-hmm. about fixing within Nigeria. But do you feel that there are any or are you aware of any 
pan-African organizations like women in product equivalents that are championing female product managers across the continent? I'm not aware of any right now. Maybe they are that I just don't know about. When I was starting practical products, someone asked me that, is this just for women? And I'm like, no, it's not just for women, but there is definitely going to be a focus <laughs> on women. And so I wasn't surprised when I saw the data that showed that there were more male PMs than female PMs. I actually wasn't surprised because that's the trend that you see in the wider tech space. Yeah, but there isn't any female-focused product community that I know of right now. And if there are any, please reach out to me. I'm willing to collaborate or brainstorm. But definitely in the, in the next couple of things that we do at Practical Product, definitely we'll have a focus on, on women, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important in general. And again, it's something that's being played out around the world. So hopefully, if there are any such organizations listening, they yes. can get in touch, as you say. But how is Feminist Coalition going in general? I mean, it sounds like that's not just product related, but like, is that having a positive impact in your work locally? Yeah, I mean, we're doing well. Yeah, we're doing well. Everybody is like working on several projects that we'll be announcing in the next couple of weeks or months. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> Thanks, and I'll keep my eye out. And what are your hopes for product management over the next year, either in Nigeria specifically or across the continent? So I guess my hope for product managers on the continent in Nigeria, I would like... So most times people see product managers as a nice to have and i get that depending on the stage of the company the type of product you don't have to bring in a pm like super super early i i definitely understand that it depends but my hope is that the work that product managers do is more respected across the continent it's my hope that Product managers feel valued because when you feel valued, you're able to do your best work. Yeah, I think those are like my my big ones. And then obviously, like I would like Africa to also be like you know how we think about Silicon Valley and you know there's product management blah blah blah. I would like some African country to be that where it's like oh wow you're looking for a great PM definitely go to this country or definitely go to this continent. So which country do you think is most likely to fulfill that role? I mean, obviously, Nigeria is a big one at the moment. There's a lot of stuff going on there. You've got South Africa as well. I'm aware there's a lot of stuff going on there. I mean, are there any countries that we should be watching and maybe any investors listening to this should be focusing on? (laughs) I think it's the usual suspects. So Nigeria, South Africa, Kenya, Ghana. There's a lot of stuff happening in Egypt now. Yeah, but I think it's, for now anyway, it's the usual suspects that we usually hear about that have a great shot of being, not a home, but just like being a center for great product and great product leadership and management and all things product. And ideally, ideally, like, I think also be cool if 
say I'm based in, I don't know, Namibia, and I'm trying to build something, I would like for product managers on the continent to be able to work in different countries. So you want to hire a Nigerian PM, that's great because that person maybe has experience in your area or they're just like really great or a South African PM is moving across the country. And you, and you actually start to see that now. So like companies like Flutterwave and Paystack, they're hiring a lot of different uh, African PMs, not just Nigerian PMs. Yeah, so I would like to see more of that. Absolutely. Again, keep our eyes open and hopefully organizations like yours can help to move the needle as well. Hopefully. And where can people catch up with you after this if they want to have more of a chat about product management in Nigeria, across Africa, or find out more about the next version of your report? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter at Lyogobamo, just my first name and my last name, and then also on LinkedIn, Lyogobamo. You know, you can also, you know, shoot me an email at hello at practicalproduct.co. Excellent. I'll link that and the report into the show notes and hopefully you'll start to get some awesome. contact from some interested people. Awesome. That'd be great. Well, that's been a fantastic chat and obviously really interesting to hear about your experience and also some of the challenges and opportunities of product in Africa. Hopefully we can stay in touch, but as for now, thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it insightful. Make sure to grab a copy of Lyo's The State of Product Management in Africa report from the link in the show notes. Have a read and share it and this episode with your friends so they can find out more too. Obviously, I'd also love it if you could visit the website onenightinproduct.com, sign up or subscribe, and check back soon for another inspiring guest on One Night in Product. Thanks very much. <laughs>